everybody, and welcome to another film podcast. My name is Tierney. My name is Colin. My name is Matt. <laughs> I feel like you might have done that one before. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I feel uh, like... Uh, <laughs> Alright, rewind it. We're going to go back. We gotta, we gotta start over. <laughs> and my name is Matt. I'm Stacy. Like, the one where they're all saying hi, have you ever seen yeah. that video? Where it's like, this is every introvert's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. That's what I was doing. <laughs> okay, cool. We got that. All right, good. Glad we got that taken care of. <laughs> so important. So we'll clean uh, that up in post. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Uh, <laughs> this week we watched. What did we watch? We watched Full Metal Jacket. I was still on oh, our wait. conversation before with Spartacus and everything else. I watched Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, oh no! Shit. Uh, this is gonna be a very weird conversation. But we can't, I mean, we already started recording, so we can't, we can't go back now. So you're just going to have to. It's so crazy that alchemists went to war because you were texting us about war. I know, it's actually kind of crazy how much they synced up, but, you know, I'll talk about the anime and pretend like it's a Cooper movie, so that's fine. Cool. (laughs) I really appreciated the way that they animated this particular scene. Yeah, I like it when, when uh, like the the you could really see the brush strokes, you know. Yeah, I like it when Edward said that he was gonna skull fuck that other guy. Uh, what's happening? Fuck. I mean, that's a character. I don't. I actually don't know if that's a character from the Alchemist. Anyway, we're gonna keep going. That's like, okay. I, I don't actually know anything Full about Full Metal Alchemist, so I, I can't I can't keep real. this bit going too much longer. I you guys are just making shit up. It's a real. It's a real it's a anime. Metal. I've never seen it, and I know nothing about it. That I just know that it does exist, but that's where I have to I tap think, out. So if if we I if we want somebody, to put this bit to bed, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, I think somebody posted on Letterboxd, "God, this is such a weird trilogy," and it was like Full Metal Panic, Full Metal Alchemist, and Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we did watch it. That's the movie we watched this week. There's 51 episodes of Full Metal Alchemist. Okay, imagine... why are we still talking about this? <laughs> I'm just like, imagine it. I texted you guys. I was like, oh shit, Full Metal Jacket's less than two hours. This is so great. I can crush that really easily. But imagine if Matt just watched all 51 episodes. Committed. <laughs> I waited until the day of. I gotta watch all these episodes. Watching them simultaneously on a wall just... of TVs. Like uh, Batman. Uh, every monitor in your entire apartment is just playing some episode of Full Metal Alchemist. Running back and forth between rooms to try to take it all in. Oh, fuck, yeah, oh, I fuck. like the I idea in this scenario you didn't like organize them all in one com- like convenient yeah. place. They're just all over their normal spots Neighbors. in your apartment. You're just yeah. like... Neighbors TVs, a Best Buy nearby. <laughs> Anywhere I can get Honestly, uh, taking advantage of Best Buy would be really helpful in that situation because they you know, just load up like twenty different episodes all at once. Yeah, and then shush all the customers while I'm trying to pay attention. <laughs> Tierney, I think you were the only one who had seen Full Metal Jacket before. I, yes. Domestic? Am I kicking things off? Speak on it. How many times have you seen it? <laughs> so this was my third time watching it. Um, I watched it for the first time when I was. Uh, well, I didn't watch the whole thing. This is back in the Blockbuster days. My older brother checked this and Patton out from the Blockbuster for sure. a weekend. And he was, <laughs> Too much war. Yeah, he, he was babysitting, uh, and so he put 
he was like, you guys have to go to bed now. And then me and my younger brother were like, he's watching a movie. Let's go watch it. So we laid on the floor behind the couch and watched this movie. Um, until probably like maybe an hour. We never, I never saw the end um, because then oh. we were found. And then I watched this. We were found. <laughs> in 2015 maybe again. Um, and then watched it this time. Uh, every time has been like a very different experience. Because <laughs> there are like sure. three very different <laughs> stages. Three different decades of my life. Um, but uh, one thing that you guys know about is that this movie is like <laughs> triggering <laughs> for me. <laughs> uh, mostly because the drill sergeant is... Uh, for our listener, my dad was in the military and would often uh, talk to his small army of children in the same cadence uh, with, like, G-rated insults. Um, and, like, even just last week, about face is a military term, and I just thought that was a term that everyone knew because it, whenever we would, like, I don't know, be in a row, he would just say about face. We all knew them, and we had to turn around. Um, oh, and the opening scene where they're all shaving their heads, that was just, like, haircut day at my house growing up. All the boys just had, like, short buzz guns. Wow. Uh, so there's a lot <laughs> this of... This is... Yeah. There, I have, like, a lot of conflicted feelings about this movie because uh, of, like, I don't know. Having lived it. yeah, And, like, <laughs> conflicted feelings about, like, my dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were a couple other things that I like, uh, oh, oh yeah. Okay. And then the, a lot of it was like imitating drill surgeons, I think, cause he thought it was funny, but then if we were like hiking, he would count. So like one or like left, left, yeah. left, right, left. And so sometimes my brothers and I would do that on the way to school. <laughs> And then, wow. so, truly a small military. Yeah. yeah. And then the, uh, a lot of the chants they sing while they're jogging, we would, he would sing while we were like doing like labor. So like raking back when you like didn't have a leaf blower to do that or shoveling like the, uh, one, two, three, four, I love the Marine Corps. Was one. My dad was a Marine, okay. I could denote the exact <laughs> field of... You work. would sing one, two, three, four, I love the Marine Corps? No. I, yeah, and there is, um, at the what? end of the movie, they play the, they play the Marine Corps theme song, and I know the words to that song. Oh, my God. This is where it's like, I think we were, like, almost indoctrinated. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Low-key, you're a Marine. <laughs> to where... To where, like, this is, like, a very uh, triggering movie because it's, like, I feel like I've experienced these things, <laughs> but right. I haven't. Um, but this time watching it was uh, kind of fun. I think it's a pretty good commentary on the United States, so. Uh, Shithole country. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Really? It, it kind of seemed not about America. Really? Huh. All right, well, let's, let's dig into that later. Um, <laughs> But yeah, th this time, uh, uh, normally I like have kind of gotten lost in the second half, but this time I almost like the second half better. Um, mm, interesting. 
but uh, yeah, so that was my that's my experience with this uh, truly wild movie. <laughs> Complicated experience, <laughs> complex, layered, layered. Uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of things that are like, uh, oh god, oh god. <laughs> for, for example, I texted my sister last week when I found out about faces in the military term, and I was like, do you remember Dad used to tell us? about face like we're a bunch of little cadets and she was like dude I haven't thought about that (laughs) in like at least 15 years (laughs) pretty funny though oh my god that's intense when I hear about face I associate it with a gay theater company called about face theater um, that has nothing to do with the military and so for me it's a very soft gentle inviting (laughs) Warm, <laughs> inclusive term. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah. So. I mean, it, mine's not like this movie. bad. It's just I knew that meant I had to turn around. Yeah. But he also wouldn't just say okay. about face like that. He'd say about face. Yeah. So I right. said it every time. Lots of stuff like that where it's like, what? <laughs> what are you doing, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what the fuck? Why were you training us? <laughs> what did you think was going to happen yeah. to our home? Uh, and none of us have been in the military. <laughs> Good. Um, did your, was your dad a fan of Red Dawn by any chance? Like, maybe that was why he just, like, got really into Red Dawn. It was like, maybe the Russians will invade, you know, maybe, northern maybe Illinois. And we'll have <laughs> to, like, my children will have to escape to the, the woods and, and protect us. He probably was like, oh, it'll give them structure. There's so many of them. They need it. Uh, but that's also, I'm sure. Yeah. But also, his brother was a Marine as well. And so I think that's like his family they were all serving. Um, although my grandpa on my mom's side also was in the military. But he was an engineer. So he was a non-combat position. Um, which, also I should say that uh, neither my dad or my uncle went to war. This is getting really personal, guys. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. What's up, Backpack? Yeah, what's up, Backpack? Like, what do you think did? So, so everybody came. To trained for war. Listener came go. to this episode to listen to us talk about <laughs> Full Metal Jacket and a little it's Full Metal Alchemist. And it's just a, what they're getting is a therapy session for a teenager. <laughs> and do you think that strictness uh, made you turn against it as you got older? Do you think that's why none of your siblings were in the military? Because they were raised in this environment and they wanted to get out of those those strictures. So, I want to start by saying I'm sweating right now. <laughs> this is punch drunk love all over again. Yeah, I know. First of all, sweating. Second of all, we are all uh, pretty disciplined people. Uh, so some of it definitely like carried down. And then uh, one of my brothers did officer candidate school, but he broke his knee, so he uh, became a lawyer instead. As you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I think I could have used a little more discipline because my parents are just soft, nougaty people. Just like. Is that a bad thing, though? Yeah, that I was going to say, lovely. I love your parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I probably could have stand, standed, stood. Standard. A little more no, you were right structure. the first time. Standard. Standard. Standard yeah. by me. Um, no, yeah. That's just to say, you know, your discipline is something that I admire, Tierney. And I oh. think uh, 
being yelled at and uh, going on hikes that were counted off have made you into the wonderful person that you are. I think that was mostly done as a joke, probably for his own entertainment. I was going to say. It had made a lasting impression on us. Like, this definitely sounds like the type of thing he was doing because he was like, (laughs) like, not that, like, any of you guys were getting any of it. (laughs) And that's, like, what the insults delivered in that cadence would, would be like. Uh, like it would be, I don't know, if he came in and we were all playing Nintendo when we had like chores to do, it'd be like, like what are you doing sitting around here like a bunch of filthy barn animals? You ought to get out like that sort of thing, and it just yeah. would keep going. And it's like, good God, we're going. God, <laughs> <laughs> is this whole back a place where you can relax? Yeah. You understand that there are chores to be done here. Exactly. Anyway, Ooh, yeah. we can talk about what you guys, so I can like stop sweating. <laughs> The first 13 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> um, I, so, I, do you want to go, Matt? No, I, you can go. Okay. I've never seen this movie before. Uh, I didn't. It wasn't like I was avoiding it for any reason. I just like never really had much desire to watch it. Uh, so I watched it last night, and I actually I thought it was like pretty excellent. Um, it was definitely so. You know, going into this adventure, I had mentioned at the like at the top that I've only seen a small handful of his films going in, um, and this was easily my favorite of the new to me ones that we've watched. Um, I like I still would put Doctor Strangelove in two thousand one above this movie if I were ranking them, but of the ones that I've now seen, I think that this would probably be my number three. Hmm. Um, I really really liked it a lot and I like I definitely you know we can talk more about it when we actually get into it but like the the two parts were like so not disjointed um it's not like a fair word but like they were just so different from one another that like when the first the second part started I was like eh like I was I was like I was really into the first chunk of the movie and then when the second part started it took me a while to get into it but by the end I was just like totally wrapped and I just was like so pulled in that I was just like holy shit he did it <laughs> he did it again <laughs> so um so yeah I really liked it uh, I'm very curious to see where this conversation goes um based upon some group texts that we were exchanging earlier today <laughs> so but matt what did you think <clears throat> pass oh shit <laughs> just kidding no i actually didn't like it uh <laughs> i was like it could i mean i we all know i don't know if they've been documented on on the pod but we all know your your feelings on war movies so i was like maybe he yeah. didn't like it <laughs> which i was made i was you know asked to explain today uh, and i think it's important to kind of set that up for listener uh that in general i don't dislike war movies but i feel the same way about war movies that i do about most prison movies which is the the feeling is basically the same no matter what the war or director or movie the war movies in general kind of elicit a war is bad war is sad soldiers see some shit and soldiers uh, 
find courage to be brave in moments of like pure terror and basically that's all war movies whether it's 1917 or what about Dunkirk. band of brothers i have never seen band of brothers but it reminds me a lot of saving private ryan yeah which is so much basically better. i mean like and that's the thing is that i think all of them are like equally good they're all like yes you have communicated to me the horrors of war and why it's bad and what things happen to the people that go and like to me none of it is surprising and all of it is just kind of like "Uh uh-huh great you have confirmed the stuff that we know you know if we didn't see it on movies and you never experienced war would you have any idea that that is what it's like or those are the kind of things that soldiers go through probably not i think like putting it on screen is important to communicate an experience like prison that if god willing you never have to go through this is your chance to experience what other people do um i think especially with the vietnam war which i feel like we're going to talk about in more detail um but obviously yeah this was my first time seeing the movie as well i think it's uh, as far as like what i uh left with probably lowest on my list of kubrick movies um Below Eyes above, Wide Shut? No. Oh. I was say, <laughs> definitely above Eyes Wide Shut. Um, but as far as like what I like about Kubrick movies, I think this one gave me the least of it and felt the least specific in a way that I feel like Kubrick movies always have, besides Eyes Wide Shut, <laughs> always have this like very sharp pinprick accuracy to like what he wants to do. He's covering a and lot of ground. It's yeah. like he bit off more than he could chew. Well, and I feel like war in general does that. And I think that's, you know, as I discuss my feelings on war probably throughout this conversation, I feel like there are only so many things you can do uh, with war as a concept, with war as a theme, with, you know, military, and especially mil- American military. There's, like, really only so much room to surprise an audience or to take your own choices and do something new. Uh, so I don't think it's his fault, and I also don't think it's a bad movie, but I was left kind of like, uh-huh, yeah, that's a war movie. Like, this is exactly what war movies do. I don't think this one did anything particularly different from basically any other war movie that, like, leans anti-war. Um, and how many? Well. How many, though were out when this was made well that's what i'm not sure about but given that this is 87 mm-hmm. there's a pretty good amount of span of time between the vietnam yeah. war which was universally disliked at the time of the war and this and so it's like it's not even really retreading but you're looking it's not even really treading on but you're comparing it you're comparing you're comparing it to like born on the fourth of july which is like not that good of a movie yeah. So I mean, I also in terms of like anti-war movies, this is like one. There aren't many before this, and this one is like way better. Like compared to Apocalypse Now, I think this is way better. Apocalypse Now I mean, sucks. I would have, it's certainly shorter. I'm also curious your thoughts, and maybe we can use this as a way to jump in. But like, what were your thoughts on the first 
chunk of like the first part of the movie. I think I, they should have stuck with the drill instruction and <clears throat> watch the deconstruction of a cadet's psyche. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After because, witnessing something like that at the act break. Oh. Um, that would have been a more interesting story to be like, if you watch, I mean, spoilers, uh, whatever. <laughs> but like, if you watch your friend who you've abused in order to get them in line with the military, if you watch them have a total mental break, kill your drill instructor, and then kill themselves right in front of you, and then you continue through boot camp, what is that experience? What does that do to somebody? How do you both acknowledge this like <clears throat> like uh, structure that's being yelled at you, and this like belief system that you are told to buy into after witness- witnessing something traumatic before you even made it to the battlefield, before you ever got into a war zone, mm-hmm. and knowing that you were very directly responsible or part of why that happened. Obviously, he's not the reason why Pyle breaks or whatever, mm-hmm. but, like, is directly part of beating him with fucking soap bars. So, like, what is that story? And I think, basically, as soon as they jump to the Vietnam War, it's like, uh-huh, this is a Vietnam War movie. Right. Nobody likes being there. It's terrible. Uh, the people that are there don't want them to be there and nobody knows what they're doing and it's a total fucking nightmare yes yep i know that but if you were to take the so like the commentary on this movie i think is i think it's pretty straightforward a commentary on american society and also on masculinity and so in if you're doing that commentary on masculinity you're not going to have a second half where they talk about their feelings it's just going to be stuff down because it's all toxic masculinity and they're going to go shoot people because yeah. that's what the point of it is. And that's where we'll that... get into this at the end. Right. The percentage of this movie that's just <laughs> fucking with the audience because that might be the natural narrative choice, but that's not what the movie is like trying to communicate. And the thing it's trying to communicate is just like Every single thing in this movie is bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like the thing that actually gets piled to learn is when Joker talks to him gently and teaches him, as opposed to being screamed at by mm-hmm. a drill instructor. And then, like, no one is helping. Like, it's all just, like, piling on top of each other of, like, all of the terrible things about <laughs> toxic masculinity and also America to the yeah. point where by the end you're just like, yeah, this fucking country. <laughs> yeah. But I also feel like that is, yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're totally right. All of that is exactly true. And I think watching them be uh, inhuman, inhumane mm-hmm. around the Vietnamese is like, you know, it's the natural course that comes from being yelled at and screamed at but i also feel like if we had stayed at the drill if we had stayed at boot camp and all of those feelings are still held in and they still can't express them and it comes out in different ways of like they still have to eat they still have to wake up or they still have to like do these things 
that we know underneath it all there's this like brewing unrest or this like deep discomfort with why at least joker is there um whereas like when he goes to war it i think it becomes we all know what soldiers look like at war and we all know that they're like man i can't wait to get back to my girl i like i love like i i want to go home so bad it's like did any of those conversations take place well i was gonna say i because i feel like Oh, go ahead. Like, yeah. But, like, the, the medical leave of them being like, oh, he, he was jerking off and he was almost going to be able to go home and now he's dead. Or, like, Yeah, but that's, that, that's when you go and watch The Master instead of this. Well, I guess, but that's, <laughs> that's the, thing. the like, same the Master, thing. <laughs> but this didn't feel nearly as cerebral as I think other Kubricks do. And, it, and like I said, it, it wasn't a surprise like I thought it would be. Like you I weren't surprised when... Pile no. shoots the drill instructor and Joker. No, no. I was myself. Sorry, not Joker. And to be fair, that moment was like, oh shit, okay, that he's gonna go there, and then after all of that, none of it was at all surprising or different or a commentary that even if this was the first to do it, hadn't already been hinted at in other like all is quiet on the western front is about like oh but look at these humans wouldn't it be nice if everyone got along yeah but this isn't just commentate this isn't a commentary on war it's also a commentary on america you're making fun of colonialism you're making like not making fun but calling attention to the fact that we are a colonial society the fact that we are racist we are homophobic that Mm -hmm. we do like that's true like it is it is less a commentary on war and way more a commentary on american society and that's where like the fact that people are probably like so many war movies look at top gun is a fucking propaganda piece people go see that movie and then join the air force because they want to be in top gun most people most war movies are propaganda pieces to your point but this one is not (laughs) but it's done in a sort like it's it's hidden enough that people will go to it thinking that it is and that's where they just get fucked, and it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's fair. I think I think you're absolutely right, and I I think the moment that probably highlights that best best in the second half is during the interviews when Joker is like, I always wanted to go see the world and like see the jewel of the of like Southeast uh, Asia, Southeast Asia, and like uh, like I want to be the first person on my block to have a confirmed kill which is like all said like somebody who's like my name is like whatever whatever and i'm from nebraska and i want to be on football team like it's all this like american like Mm -hmm. yeah this is what my town wants and that i thought was very sharp i think and maybe this is because war movies all kind of feel like visually and thematically feel the same is that that's what you're contending with if you're trying to work out the nuance of like America specifically and not war as a machine and war and military as a dehumanizing uh, structure or like foundation for people. So I had written down uh, all the things, the uh, topics that, I felt like were pretty overtly commentaries on 
America. And so of the ones I listed, I forgot a few more. Uh, <laughs> Hyper-Christian, the whole part, point about um, not believing in Mary. Men thinking they own women. The whole haggling over a prostitute and just capitalism bullshit. The fact mm-hmm. that Cowboy has a Confederate flag on his helmet. Uh, the whole idea of old westerns and that, um, I think, Manifest mm. Destiny. And then yeah. the whole speech of, like, well, do you know where Lee Harvey Oswald learned a shirt? They're just glorifying mass yeah. shooters to where I'm like, this is well ahead of its time. Well, I, I, I had that specific thing that you were just talking about. was like how I felt watching Dr. Strangelove this most recent time where I was just like, uh, like I appreciate like, yeah. how good this is. Like I appreciate how good this, like this this movie is attacking this subject but it like me watching it in the year of our lord 2022 this is like deeply uncomfortable and like and i'm like really kind of upset by it so like yeah. I, I was just like oh god like we are we're terrible yeah <laughs> i guess and god i think you're you're right and all those things i think were commentary I think the problem is... Is that Dr. it's a war movie? <laughs> well, Dr. Strangelove is a satire. This isn't necessarily no. a satire. Yeah. It's more because of a spoof, this if anything. did happen. Well, I think that's... is like, none of this was sensationalized. Yeah. At all. Like, the military is homophobic and is racist and did treat Vietnamese women like this and Not did even, act like this. They treated them worse than that. Yeah, like, all of this is nearly documentary based on the way that the military operates throughout the world. And, like, I said this in our text messages, and I'll make sure I say it here. I support the troops, and I hate the military. (laughs) Because I think we have created this, I think, the boot camp is, like, we've created killing machines, which is what they say in the movie. But, like, when that feels like it's the overall narrative of, like, this is what war is like it is like i don't it doesn't it's not like oh that's it's funny that peter sellers is like trying to get a code from this guy who's clearly gone off like the rocker and is you know calling all these crazy things that's like causing mayhem and everyone's like doing funny character voices then it's like oh this is a satire on the way that globally people in power operate this is like this is what they talk like. This is what they do. This is the belief system that's drilled into them. It is Christian. It is white. It is imperialistic. Imperialism, that's the word. Yeah. yeah. But like, and I think that's, that's kind of where I feel like it's not, it's not showing me anything that makes me see it in like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Which well, I think maybe to your point is that maybe it's preaching to the choir. Maybe I'm aware of all those things. I think somebody going into it expecting Patton yeah. is getting this instead and is like, oh, I mean, this is pretty gnarly. But like, maybe that's maybe but it's that's also the disconnect. S- and this is where I don't think it's as good as something like Doctor Strangelove because it's subtle enough that <clears throat> you might not even get the commentary. It's sort of like sure. the Wolf of Wall Street problem that we were talking about before. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I did also think uh, the another like the another thing that made it like a little bit 
actually that's not topic i'll go with the one that's more tangentially related um <laughs> you were talking about the interviews um the whole concept and this is i find to be the funniest part of the whole movie the whole concept of having combat reporters yeah is very f- funny especially given the way they behave it's very funny because the vietnam war was lost in american living rooms like the whole mm-hmm. anti-war movement was because people actually saw what was happening yeah and so the whole thing would be like well we'll make you famous like we'll put you in stars and stripes and it's like we're trying to show people why we're in the war and it's all all it's doing i mean it's funny in a very dark way don't get me wrong but it's like it's it's like oh you're what is it you're being hoisted by your own petard like (laughs) you're killing the war by reporting on the war which is kind of i mean maybe that is the kind of like thematic thing is like this movie doesn't make you support war and so a movie about war making you dislike the idea of war or the idea of American imperialism is also kind of like, you know, like you're saying, it's, it's it's pulling the rug out from under. Like, okay, if you think you're this is going to be like pro military, yeah, get ready because it's yeah. not. It's just a bare look at what <laughs> it's like and what the people are that are in it. Yeah. Um, I also thought with those interviews, the way that they talk when they're um, in front of the camera versus the way they talk with each other is a good visual. Yeah. And, and this is like tying in with the other theme I thought was there of toxic masculinity. It's a good visual representation of like locker room talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a good point. Um, there was something about, oh, I mean, even to your point of like, why did, like, why is there no kill on this report? And he's like, because I didn't see any kill. And he's like, you know, you have to say at least one person. Yeah. The point is that we have to show that this is like doing something. Yeah. And that I felt, that felt closer to a Kubrick kind. I mean, like a lot of the boot camp stuff did, but that also felt kind of like the ridiculousness of these situations. Yeah. And I think it was almost kind of undercut because Joker questions it or like pushes back or is sarcastic about it. Whereas in like Doctor Strangelove, people would like salute and be like, "Sir, yes, sir." I'll say ten people died. And it's like, okay, great. Whereas this kind of like, oh my god, this is so outrageous. Oh yeah, the fact that because who who are you guys like who are you meant to identify with in the movie? Because personally, I guess I, Joker. I mean, yeah, I, I, was gonna I say. identify with Pile. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, absolutely Pile, <laughs> and then until he snaps, which I mean, that's the other thing is I felt nothing. When he killed the drill instructor, no, I don't I felt think there's no sadness. It was yeah, it's like good, like this is what happens when you push somebody to their breaking point and give him a loaded gun and expect him to point the right way. Like you're causing people to break, and you're saying, oh, it's going to make our country stronger. I didn't even remember the drill instructor dying, and this is the third time I've seen it. I wow. only remembered Pyle shooting himself, and I remember gasping the first time. I had no idea. I was like, what? And then you go to Vietnam War, I remember being like, what the fuck? Yeah. I, Um, yeah, I definitely, I I mean, I feel like you, like Joker and Pyle are definitely like your POV characters. 
right? Like, Joker is your POV character throughout the entire movie, for obvious reasons. Um, but it's kind of like the, the two of them in the boot camp sequence. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, to your point, Matt, I, I... So I was not expecting him to kill himself. Right. But, like, when he had the gun there and he was, like, playing around and he was loading it, I was like, okay, I do think that he's going to at least attempt to kill the drill sergeant. I didn't know if he would actually be able to, like, pull it off, but I didn't think that he was going to do that. But I was not expecting him to kill himself, and I was like, oh, (laughs) Jesus. But then, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, this, like, this tracks. (laughs) Like, as, like, fucked up as it is, you're just like, yeah, uh uh-huh, I get that. Um somewhat related i mean very related but not as serious uh i was just i spent the whole like i spent like half of the first chunk of the movie being like is that vincent d'onofrio yeah. <laughs> and like because like i had never seen vincent d'onofrio like that young before like he's like in in my relationship to him on screen he's always been like an adult like a fully grown adult and or older and so I was like, I mean, it looks like him. But then there were times where I was like, maybe it doesn't look like him. And then, and then like, halfway through that first section, I was like, oh, it's got to be him. It has to be him. I can't imagine that there's somebody else that looks that close to him. So when his name popped up yeah. in the end credit. And, like, I don't, when I watch a movie for the first time, I try not to, like, use my phone. It's so like, I was just like, all right, I'll, I'll make an, a note to look up this later. And so when his name popped up in the closing, in the end credits, I was like, okay, phew. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, he also nails his sinister look yeah that he's gotten so good at uh, as he's gotten oh older. for sure but like the way that they it's almost like clockwork orange of it's like a Kubrick the way stare. his head is tilted yeah. the Kubrick stare mm-hmm. and the way that in that lighting you can't see any of the black of his eye it's just it's white. just the yeah it looks de- it looks devilish uh-huh. which is great it was a, it was an amazing shot I, I will say cinematography is really good yeah. yeah I think this is one of the better yeah, so I was trying to, like, put my finger on it. I felt like so many of the movies that we've watched for this, like, are just, like, sets, you know? Like, which is not necessarily a sure. bad thing, but, like, that's just, like, they are sets, right? I mean, it is in the case of... Well, it is... It's, it, is bad, it is bad in that one particular scenario. But if we're thinking about, like, Dr. Strangelove or, um, obviously, 2001, we talked a lot about that. But even to, like, a Very lesser amazing. extent... Yeah, um, outside. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, I, Mansions, though. I feel like this movie, obviously, like, the entire first chunk of the movie takes place, you know, in this, like, boot camp situation. But, like, the fact that it all, like, the second half takes place, a little over the half, but takes place, like, in Vietnam. Uh, or, you know, in Vietnam. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. It was really weird because I was just, like, if, if that part of it felt so different to what other like what I expect from a Kubrick movie. Cause even like the exterior stuff in Barry Lyndon looked different yeah. than how this looked. I thought they, I like, I agree with you, Tierney. I thought that this movie looked beautiful. Um, and like the, the, all of the stuff in Vietnam, I thought looked fantastic. And I thought like the colors all looked really good. Um, so like, I appreciate all of that. It was just like really weird. Like when it got to that part of the movie, I was just like, Oh, this just, just feels so different than, <laughs> how all of his other movies have felt um 
which I, I really appreciate. And again, like I said, it just like really helped draw me in. Cause I think in terms of like the commentary that we were talking about, I think like the first part of the movie is definitely, or at least for me is like far and away the most effective part of making its argument. And then everything after that is just kind of like riding those coattails for a while, um, which didn't necessarily bother me. But like, like I mentioned, when, when there is that rough transition, I was like, I was so into what was going on. And then it took me a while to like get back into it. Um, I will say the first, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, I think like the, the, the fact that it, it did look so good helped get me back into it on the second half. Cause like, again, I didn't necessarily think the story or the commentary was quite as strong in that second half, but I think the filmmaking for me anyway, the filmmaking kind of elevated it a level in that second half that was able to like for across the board, make this like a whole kind of, you know, cohesive thing for me. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say the first, before I watched it this time, I like couldn't even remember what the second half was. I remember being like, man, I didn't like it. So <laughs> it, that was something that I thought was really interesting this time is I was like, oh, I actually liked the second half more than I usually do mm-hmm. um, because I think I knew it was coming. Yeah. And like, then you're able to like, I don't know, piece things together. One thing about the second half, well, two things about the second half that uh, I thought were interesting little bits is the scene um, when he's shooting out of the helicopter is also a precursor to kind of uh, the current iteration of mass shootings and then also mm-hmm. drones, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Uh, and then... I the also ga- like the, in that sequence, the... Uh, I can't, I can't remember his name, but, like, the camera guy that's, like, hanging out with Joker is just, like, constantly, like, on the precipice of vomiting, yeah. which I was, like, I mean, same. <laughs> yeah. Like, when the camera pans, like, it's obviously, like, it's very heavily implied that he's shooting at innocent civilians, but it doesn't actually show it. But then when it does show it, you're just, like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, I yeah. would... I, like this is making me want to vomit <laughs> and so I did yeah. appreciate that there was that guy <laughs> like it was kind of played for laughs which like felt I mean it like felt a little inappropriate but it did kind of make me laugh the way he was he was just like like he just kept making the same way <laughs> but he never actually vomited um I thought that was funny um what's the other thing is oh the okay. guy who plays the killing machine type dude who's in Adam Baldwin Adam Baldwin yeah, so I... Unbelievable that he's in this movie. I was like, how old is Adam Ball? There were so many of those, like, old, holy I shit, guess. it's that guy, uh, as I was watching this. As, you know, I mentioned the Vincent D'Onofrio. I did not recognize Matthew Modine at all in the entire so he, first... Really? In the entire first chunk. Because his hair was so short, I just, yeah. like, did not track that. I was like, he looked vaguely familiar, but I was not, like, putting uh. it together. And literally the first shot you see of him in Vietnam in the second part with his hair. I was like, it's Matthew Modine. Holy shit. Has it been Matthew Modine this entire time? <laughs> like, <laughs> Mind-blowing. And then, yeah, when... Um, it's same thing for, like, Arliss Howard. I did not track that that was Cowboy until the second half of the movie. Then Adam Baldwin popped up. It was like, oh, fuck. It's Adam Baldwin. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, Tierney. That's all right. Um, I thought Matthew... I get Matthew Modine, I guess is his name, confused with the dude from Jaws. They look very similar to me. I constantly get them confused. Um, Richard Dreyfus. 
No, the I don't maybe Roy the Schneider? Oh, Schneider. Schneider. Yeah. Schneider. Schneider. The police guy. Schneider. God damn it. Um, <laughs> Schneiderson. But uh yeah, so I looked up because I was like, yeah, the Baldwin dude looks familiar. I was like, what's his deal? <laughs> I went to Wikipedia. He is from Winnetka. Oh, he, went to, he sure is. He went to Nutrier, and he is a big old conservative. <laughs> I was oh, like, is, no. is, he, is he acting? <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. I, I think I did real. know that, but I forgot. <laughs> he, went, he was in Firefly, too, which say, is how I know him. Oh, was I don't a, know. I, I knew him from what Chuck. Else was he in? Chuck, yeah. He was, I, I, I mean, I mostly know him from TV. Like, I, he's probably in other movies. I'm sure he is, but like I mostly associate Adam Baldwin with as like a TV actor. I didn't even get to his filmography because I got distracted. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> man, I didn't know that he was a man. I think That's he a... was like, let me let me look it up. You guys keep talking. I'll I'll look it up. Did it say that he like voted for Trump on his Wikipedia? That'd be upsetting. No, but it was like. Uh, political views. He had he re-examined his liberal views after being given a copy of David Horowitz's Radical Son, and now considers himself a small government conservative libertarian. Oh, oh no! Oh, okay. it, it was it was <laughs> that that wasn't that wasn't that bad. That wasn't. I was like, okay, whatever. And then it was uh, in late 2015, Baldwin endorsed Ted Cruz for joining presidential oh, election. Oh <laughs> my God! And then, and then he was uh, he's been credited with originating the hashtag #GamerGate. Oh fuck! <laughs> cool. So, yikes! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bummer, Adam Baldwin. <laughs> we'll say it on this podcast first. <laughs> You heard it here first, everyone. Just got real, real bummed out by Adam Baldwin. (laughs) (laughs) So sorry. Oh, no. He said, we know anti-Trumpers are lying now because they've been lying all along. They've been caught lying all along. Yuck. Okay, well. Okay, yeah. He sucks. (laughs) I thought he um, was good in this movie. Like I thought that role playing exactly. Yeah, I was going to say which to become. Yeah, it's like grew which now now checks like out. Maybe always was. <laughs> yes. Yeah, got to say terrible things with uh, with total freedom. But I do think like to the the point I was uh, making earlier. Like when I I think the first half of the movie is much more effective at its messaging than the second half yes. is. I do think that Adam Baldwin is the most effective component of the second half like his character i think is the most effective at like continuing the message um so i did like i thought he did a very good job in the movie Um, so sorry to ruin that for you guys no it's okay i'm glad you did i'm just looking at his tweets now and they're real fucking bummers you gotta stop put it away i know oh god okay just pretend you never heard this and go watch some firefly episodes Go back no, to your happy because place. Here's, here's the real thing, is that uh, upon my last mass Funko sale, I sold all of my Firefly Funkos <gasps> because... How many Funkos did you have, Matt? Oh, I still have too many. Um, <laughs> what, what would you say is too many? I mean, two <laughs> large, like, 
aluminum file cabinet boxes full of Funkos. And this is after too many. A purge? I mean, I've been selling purges? them for years. I've been purging this collection. <laughs> I really got myself in deep. Uh, but in any case, somebody pointed out that Firefly seems to be, and I think I probably, you know, understood it to be like using elements of this, but because the brown coats are separatist rebellion people mm-hmm. and they lose the war, essentially it's about the Civil War. It's a, essentially it's about the South and the people that were fighting for the Confederacy breaking off and like their journeys intergalactically, which I think like they all learn. Wait, or, Firefly uh, is pro-Confederacy? It's vaguely using the elements of the Civil War against an intergalactic backdrop. Um, but upon all the revelations of Joss Whedon being uh, a fuckboy... A real, real piece of shit. <laughs> Wait, what's he done? Lots of, like, uh, uh, like harassment allegations and, like, saying awful things to Gal Gadot... Yeah, apparently he's just, like, a real monster on set. Terrible to work with. Uh, And, you know, when you watch Firefly, acknowledging that it's not, you know, it's not about the Civil War, and the the browncoats are not pro-slavery. They're, like, pro-galactic planet rights. But then that's also a reframing of, like, oh, but what if the little guys were the the heroes that we follow and it's like well okay maybe this isn't a fandom i need to like dive too deep into anymore <laughs> i think i think serenity is a is a good movie and i like <laughs> firefly okay and i and i still enjoy the show and i think it's for like a lot of the characters that aren't brown coats but uh it's yeah. interesting because in grad school um i had a professor who's talking about how sci-fi is a great it's a great um, genre to explore and comment on issues in contemporary life. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the best sci-fi does that. But that's usually like lifting up the downtrodden as opposed to like, well, what if we like follow these people? Right. And it's like on its surface looks like Star Wars. It's like a rebellion, but the rebellion loses. And the alliance, which is like the Sino-American alliance. So it's like China and America as the forefront leaders intergalactically. Uh, And like, you know, the bureaucratic things and the restrictions that they put on planets. We're not talking about Full Metal Jacket anymore, obviously, but... uh, Is it definitely the U.S. Civil War? Because there's a lot of rebellions that I think people would support that failed. I think that's why it's not explicitly clear, and that's why it's not like, this is a pro-Confederate Okay. uh, Well, yeah, like, to be clear, Tierney, this show is set, like, 500 years in the future. Like, it is not, like... It is not, like... Like, these specific people that are the characters of this show are mm-hmm. not, like, yeah, the Confederacy from, you know, 1800s in the United States was dope. Like, it's not, like, it's that okay. level. Yeah. yeah. It's more, like, overreach. <clears throat> like, uh, governmental overreach is, like, the overall narrative of, like, 
these are smugglers who are on the fringes of society. They are criminals and they're stealing, but ultimately they have a heart of gold and they're like trying to help the little guy. So, you know, it's still a, an overall, you know, good message, but it's using framing devices that I think with Joss Whedon's background could be playing with fire that maybe should have been less whatever. I'm picking up what you're throwing down. Yeah, but Adam Baldwin is a character in that who's like kind of a shithead. Yeah. Like selfish. uh, You know, sometimes (laughs) noble, but most of the time kind of like willing to shoot somebody to get himself out of trouble kind of person. So, makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> that he really he's a rich boy character. he's a rich boy who loves playing the downtrodden yeah and he also like his character in Chuck that I was just giggling because I just remembered he uh, was like a, a military vet <laughs> so it's like yeah. it's all it's all coming together <laughs> loves the military except if it's coming after Trump apparently God. interesting anyway uh, you know <laughs> uh, overall though I, I did like this movie I just think it like I said I was not as surprised as I typically am with Kubrick movies or have moments where I'm like ay ay besides I think pile shooting well that's why I was that's why I wanted to ask you at the beginning what your thoughts were on the first half because the first half sharp is, is not sharp. a war movie and right I like think, to, yes, to, to, to like a, your crit your your issues with war movies, I think uh-huh. obviously all of that stuff comes to the fore when it becomes a war movie. Like when they are in right. battles, when they are actually like in the shit. But the first half of the movie, which is not a war movie, I mean, it's like like set with the backdrop of war, but it's not actually a war movie. I was curious if that worked for you, which it sounds like it yeah. did. It did. It very much did. Um, and... I think calling out something Tierney had said, which was like him teaching Pyle gently mm-hmm. after basically like 10 straight minutes or more of screaming drill instruction, basically exclusively. We really don't yeah. get any scenes of like people talking. It's just it's drill instruction and repeating back and responding and screaming, screaming, screaming that then that sharp, abrupt audio change of him being like so it's going to be four inches and you fold it like this so do you get that or like yeah just like you know load the gun and pull it like all of those little things or even man the moment where he's like okay now swing your leg over okay you got it so now you just swing that over again yeah it landed so heavy yeah to be like he's learning you just can't fucking yell at him all the time and that's exactly what we think strength is is just being loud and rude and violent and disrespectful. And conforming. And conforming. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're dehumanizing them. We're taking away their humanity by just screaming at them and just, like, yeah. breaking them so that we can rebuild them as, like, thoughtless, emotionless, it's like breaking a killing horse. machines. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and how many people nowadays are like you don't train a dog by breaking its spirit you train it through yeah. positive feedback um, I think to your point Matt of like 
I do think the first half of the movie is stronger. I'd like to go mm-hmm. on the record for that. Um, I think what would be more interesting is if you had, instead of what happens after he dies, to have what led him to even uh, enlist or if he was drafted and sort of like the family he uh-huh. came from and then have the, se- the first half of this movie be the second half of that movie and then just have it end with him shooting the drill instructor. And then himself. I think would be... If you were going to alter the movie, that's how I'd want it done. I love that. I do. I like that in theory, but I do think part of the effectiveness of the first half is that you're just thrown into it. Like, yeah, like I, I, I see where you're coming from. And I do think that I agree with you. I think I would enjoy that version as well. But I think the fact that like this movie starts and you get the montage of all of them getting their haircut. And so you're just like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then literally as soon as the opening credits are over, it's just arlie ermy screaming for like 15 minutes just constantly screaming and it's just like that whole first section is just so intense and like so claustrophobic you're in that like really small room the camera's really tight on him and you're just like following him walking around in circles screaming at people and like i i don't your your proposed alteration to the movie i feel like loses like obviously it would still be intense but like yeah getting some light stuff leading up to that i don't think it would be like quite as well it doesn't even need to be light well sure yeah but i mean like yeah i i have a hard time um, imagining anything quite matching the level of intensity that that this movie starts off with (laughs) yeah the the uh i think calling out the draft is something that yeah is this over like i kind of forgot that that's why most of these men would be in this situation until maybe i think after the boot camp honestly because boot camp none of they're all equal none of them are being provided with any sort of like real personal insight and only until you get over into the actual war zone are you like oh yeah people are all here depending on their like varying levels of in like engagement with this but they're all here and i think like the fact that it is the vietnam war which is a like universally disliked war in america and these people are being put through this because they got drafted is like oh they didn't even want this like they didn't this isn't for a noble cause they didn't want to be here and they're being treated like this of course one of them is going to break and kill somebody and himself like that's the natural progression if you put somebody in a situation that they never thought they would be in and are not built to withstand. Mm -hmm. And so, like, the draft being such a major element of Vietnam, I think, makes it... This is the story to tell for this war because that was... It's like, like you said, it's claustrophobic. It's people that never wanted to be trapped and get sent off for no reason. Well, some people would have enlisted... um... Yeah. But I think what's also interesting is that the reason Pyle singled out initially is because he doesn't conform. Personally, I think that it takes more strength to be a nonconformist than it does to be a conformer. Sure. And, uh, so I think that Pyle probably starts out the strongest, um, like emotionally out of all of them. Um, yeah. And just his, his reaction to the drill sergeant is, was, <laughs> is also my reaction, where yeah. he just can't 
because it's ridiculous. You can't. So yeah. Um, (laughs) And then, uh, just seeing basically his initial refusal to conform just turn into like directed insults and just like that downward arc. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you guys find the drill, uh, like the, uh, those scenes, the, like at all funny? Yeah. I, okay. mean, I think cause you're like, Oh my God, like just lay off. Cause it's the craziest. It's so, thing. so insane. Like the you guys know that most are... of that was improvised too, right? Was I did he not a real know drill that. instructor. He was no, but he was in he was well, in I mean, the he was... service. Yeah, I guess. And so yeah, he sorry. was imitating his his own drill instructors. Wow. Because um, I the first time I saw it, I like well the second time I guess I was a kid, so I was trying not to make noise behind the couch. But <laughs> when I saw it as an adult, I thought it was really funny, but I wasn't sure how much of that was like my own like background and like a personal association with that type of delivery um and like some of like the made up insults like I think one's about like amphibians that gets me like every time (laughs) um but I wasn't sure how much of it was that versus like also the whole thing about the rifle being your pussy (laughs) I know it's like not the most like pro-feminine thing but I found it so funny I mean, I I will say I think, so I I'm sure we all agree on this. Like the, I mean, it's just filled with racial slurs yes. and just the most brutal language, racial around and, minorities of all kinds. Yeah, I was gonna say and homophobic. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, even when they're at war in Vietnam, I mean, the slur for the Vietnamese is used excessively. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. how it actually was? Yes. Uh, so, yeah. it's not really hype. It's not really making this anything other than what it was, and including the boot camp. Like, yeah, they. I'm positive that they still say this exact language. Yeah. This nothing has changed, and so like. I also would like I, to say that, that I did not find fun. those parts right. funny. Obviously. Okay. Obviously. Yeah. I think it's like saying like I'll rip your head off and skull fuck your throat. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Like what? <laughs> Or just like, like how mean he is around like a donut, or like right. the punishments around that yeah. is the, it's it's the same kind of like, terror laughing that I, laugh at in Whiplash, where you're like, oh my yeah. god, like I can't well, it's, take this. It's, it's the same like reaction that. Laughter. Well, I was gonna say it's yeah. literally the same reaction that Pyle has, right? Yeah. Like he's yeah. just like, this is so crazy yeah. that my I don't know how to process this. The only way that I can handle reacting to this is by laughing because it's just so <laughs> ridiculous. Like what the fuck what how else am I supposed to respond to this? Get on your knees, son. Now choke yourself. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing with your hands? I said choke yourself. Put your hand Don't your don't hand grab my hand. hand. Yeah, don't grab my hand and pull it towards you. <laughs> oh, I mean the also the famous line from this I feel like everybody quotes is like you seem like the kind of person who would fuck someone in the ass and not even give them the courtesy of a reach around. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that is like, what the, how did we get here? <laughs> I will say so I, I did like all the, like the overtly like racist homophobic, stuff, like the specific things that he was saying were not funny, but I did find it humorous that he introed his speech saying, 
Like, you're all worthless to me. Everyone's the same. I don't have any, like, my level of how much shit I'm going to give you is, is totally equal regardless of your background but then proceeds to just be violently <laughs> racist and homophobic like so like within the same line like it's just yeah. like yeah. I, I, I thought think it's that the same was cut, like too. yeah like it's the same it's definitely the same shot um so it's like i thought that was funny like that specific ju- juxtaposition was funny not the I things he was saying like, but the, like, like the fact that it came so quickly after he was like you're all equal. You're, like, wait, what? you're all terrible. Blah blah blah. And then it's yeah. like, wait a second. <laughs> Clearly, it felt like strange love. It felt like, yeah. all right, like yeah. this is so not real. Like hyperbolic. Oh, categories. I was gonna say, does anybody have anything else they want to? Oh, uh, I I texted you guys this. But the last thing I want to say on this topic is uh, I saw a tweet today. Apparently. Uh, there's a new movie coming out. Uh, and so the tweet is, oh. Zac Efron heads to Vietnam in the trailer for Peter Farrelly's comedy drama, The Greatest Beer Run Ever. And I texted you guys, seeing the collection of words, Peter Farrelly, Vietnam, comedy drama, and the title, Greatest Beer Run Ever, really fucking bums me out. <laughs> yeah. So I was riding the high of this movie that I really, really enjoyed. And then Peter Farrelly's coming out, be like, oh, me and Zac Efron, gonna make uh, a comedy drama about a Vietnam War. I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I, I do not I want this. I it'll be as impactful as Green Book. <sighs> Lol. <laughs> Go back to something about Mary Farrelly. I had to look him up because I couldn't, I didn't know why. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know why he existed. <laughs> no, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, known known for uh, unproblematic Siamese twin comedy stuck, stuck on, on you, starring Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear. I mean, you know, Shallow Hal was another another Fairly Brothers joint. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber, but Dumb and Dumber. I will ride for Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I will absolutely yeah, ride for Dumb I mean, I think most Dumber. people will. Nobody's, nobody's got a problem with Dumb and Dumber. Um, please, no, please don't take this away from me. <laughs> uh, all right, tattoo ideas. Um, oh, God. Yeah. You could get a skull fuck. Yeah, you could just get bathroom tiles with blood on them. Yeah. The, I do I I wouldn't want to get a tattoo of it, but I will say like the um, poster for this movie is like really iconic. Like not quite as iconic as Jaws or some of his other. Obviously, Jaws is not a Stanley Kubrick movie. Yeah, I was but like, I just, wait, what? I was just remembered that we talked about the poster for Jaws in our episode, so that's why. But any like, um, but that like that, like the helmet with the born to kill and the peace sign and like the row of the the bullets on it like all of that is a very iconic image but again i, d- yeah. I don't think i would necessarily want that on there nah. the whole drill instructors speech just everything that arlie ermy says oh, from the entire movie yeah. just my entire back <laughs> <laughs> exactly yikes what what kind of bullet is it i know um I believe it's a full metal jacket well right thank you <laughs> but he's like mm-hmm. it's, he says like the actual bullet itself and then then says full metal jacket anyway i like i obviously like i i think that i've been 
on the record, and if not, I am extremely opposed to guns. Uh, I'm personally. getting confused. Oh, I I quite like them. <laughs> um, but I I do think that, like the the actual bullets they do look cool. But I wouldn't want to um, put that on my body. That's not the type of energy I'm I'm trying to put out into the world. I'm getting confused because I had a conversation about flares, and that is uh, also a bullet size. Like, they mm. measure them the same, even though it's, like, a signal flare. I don't know. It's been a long week. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, so, I'm looking up Full Metal Jacket, and it just is a small arms projectile consisting of a soft core often lead in case oh, by okay. a shell jacket. So, because they've got like thirty caliber and oh spitzers. yeah, sorry. When I was saying I was trying to remember, it's because the flares were twenty two and a twenty caliber flare for a flare gun, and so I was like, oh, maybe it's those. But then I was like, wait, that was from a totally different conversation. But all of that took place in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> nice, like Saint, like Saint El, or not Saint Elmas, it's like Saint Elsewhere, where the entire show was just taking place in the child's. Oh shit! Have you ever heard of the Saint Elsewhere? Spoiler Spoiler alert! (laughs) Spoiler alert! I mean, who fucking cares? (laughs) Obviously, I'm joking, but it's just like one of the most iconic, like TV series finale twists of all time. (laughs) Tyranny's just like, wait, what? People lost their mind. (laughs) So Saint Elsewhere was a was like a hospital drama in the '80s, and one of the hallmarks of it was that various characters from different tv shows would come to the hospital and so it'd be like oh it's you know somebody from cheers oh it's somebody from this show it's somebody from this show and then in the end the last episode it's revealed that uh they pull out of the hospital and you see it's in a snow globe and the snow globe is held by a young autistic boy who's been thinking of this entire show and that's what you've been watching and so what that did was that that introduced the idea of like a shared universe but that all the shows that interacted with Saint Elsewhere any spin-off shows from them must also take place in the world of Saint Elsewhere which means like a hundred and something television shows no. are all taking place in the mind <laughs> I'm of done this with child this. <laughs> I looked it up while Matt was going uh, so the line is uh, seven two seven six two millimeter full metal jacket is what Kyle uh, says. Seven six two millimeter full metal mm. jacket. Anyway, I actually had a full metal jacket once, but it was so hard to move in, and it kept cutting <laughs> me when I would put it on. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> actually, um, would would chain link technically be no. a full metal jacket? No. What if I got a chain link jacket? Chain I guess link? you could say Frodo are you chain wears mail? A, Are you saying chain mail? Yeah, he chain link is very mail, different than chain But he's saying chain <laughs> What did I say? You said, you chain, said chain link, link which is like, like, a, the oh, like a fence. <laughs> You're just like draping a fence over yourself. That's, that's what I first <laughs> thought in my brain and then was yeah. like, oh, he means chain mail. He means mail. chain mail, yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, I was talking about the fence. <laughs> just stealing somebody else's fence and wearing it like a beautiful jacket to a gala. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess speaking of uh, jokes on the title, what's the name of the Zoom? Oh, uh, what did I call it? Half gas pants. 
I think is what I called it. <laughs> Which reminds me a lot it of really, uh, really Metal phoned Gear it in. Solid. But I was gonna say, like, uh. on the one hand, it was very phoned in. But on the other hand, I was like, I think Tierney will appreciate this. <laughs> okay, so here's what I'll say about Metal Gear Solid, which I did think about while watching this because I'm so anti-war movie. And, you know, Metal Gear Solid is, you know, kind of militaristic. But I think if you involve psychics or robots what? or clones in your war movie... I'm yeah, out. wait, you I'm, like I'm Star Wars, which is literally war is in the title. But it's more about belief systems and... Is yeah. it? Or is it like war is bad and some yeah. people have seen some shit but they persevere? <laughs> I mean, none of those characters... Okay. I will not have my own words thrown back at me. <laughs> In such a fashion. But I mean, like, your one of your favorite Star Wars movies is Rogue One, which is by far the most like war movie of all the star wars movies so okay well how, well, how, well. Do, you square, how do you square so, this <laughs> i want robots in my war movie i don't know how much more clear i can be i rewatched blade runner 2049 recently and when they were like oh yeah we fought on this war in this other planet i was like take me to that planet show me that war I think it's yes, just that because real anything war. else would be more interesting than Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Be gone. <laughs> Lila watched it this summer and was like, "This is the coolest shit I've ever seen." Blade Runner twenty forty nine is fucking the most badass ever. <laughs> so, uh, would you guys want to spend time on this film set? <laughs> Never. <laughs> I think not at all. Not a even little. a little bit. <laughs> I think it would be like a little bit too triggering for me. You were triggered just watching the movie. I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. what you like. You would just like lose. Like your I would shit be on edge listening yeah. to them shout like that all day. Yuck. Yeah. I. I. Here's what I'll say. I don't I'd, like, know if there's not been be a able movie. To sleep. I don't know if there's been a movie yet that I would want to spend less time on the film set of. You'd prefer Clockwork Orange. I mean, the sets, the costumes, absolutely. I mean, I would because I wouldn't be like on edge like that seemed yeah. like everybody was like it was very consensual and yeah yeah if i wanted to join the military i'd join the military i don't want to get yelled at by any drill instructor ever for any reason that's why i'm not even an assistant to a hollywood desk i don't want to get yelled at i do not like getting yelled at and feeling inferior that is not my cup of tea i would i mean Pyle is definitely my point of view character in this. I was like, oh, I mine too. To, I wouldn't be able to climb that ladder. I wouldn't be able to jump on that log. I wouldn't be able to do a chin up. I'd laugh. I'd steal a donut and hide it in my locker. Absolutely. This See, here's is here's the thing. I agree with everything you said up to this point. I would not hide a donut because if I have my hands on a donut, I'm eating the fucking donut. Like the donut. I mean, that's is, a great point. The donut too. is not making it back to my fucking bunk. What if you get hungry at a time? See, I would do that. What if you get hungry at a time? Like the, they well, have the donuts a, in the mess hall, and so you that's grab a, a spare Colin so you can problem. eat later. That's a future uh, Colin problem. <laughs> I brought a sleeve of Oreos into my bedroom for later <laughs> snacking, <laughs> and only did it because I was like, "There's no repercussions. Who's gonna stop me from bringing these fucking Oreos into 
my bedroom. I'm an adult, I and I can bring the Oreos into my fucking room if I want to. Yeah, make <laughs> to put, me stop. To put it also, like, in terms of Pyle being my point of view character as well, I have done... I've gotten in trouble for laughing uh, when I'm being yelled at and also when I'm not supposed to be laughing. I've, got, I've also sneaked food into my room. Um, I'm competitive enough that uh, some of the physical stuff would... I, ha- I know the feeling because I have four brothers who are more, phys- who are more physically fit than I, than I was to where I've never been able to do a pull-up in my entire life. But, like, would certainly try. Um, but I, I wasn't really... I've had coaches yell at me, I guess. But a lot of it also is, like, the... I don't know. Uh, internally, I feel like there's always someone yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's also why I can't take it. Because I'm like, it's already too loud in here, guys. Yeah. Stop screaming at me. Like, especially when this. you like fuck up and I think part of it like I've read some stuff though where it's like people with ADHD have very loud inner critics oh, yeah. <laughs> where it's oh, like watching some of the scenes of him struggling it's like stop fucking smiling you're gonna get in trouble <laughs> stop smiling stop smiling <laughs> or like my hurry up you fucking like, idiot <laughs> yeah my inner voice is like who do you think you are having curry three nights in a row? Don't you know how much sodium that is for your body, you fucking idiot? And me being like, no, sir, I don't, sir. I'm going to keep eating it. Eat. It's I'm good. I'm going to keep eating more. Sir, no, God, sir. it's so good. Um, would you guys watch this movie on an airplane? Never. I don't think I'll watch it again, to be honest. Wow, interesting. Wow, such hate. It's not hate. It's just I don't, I will get nothing new from it. And Which I is kind it. of how I feel sometimes when I see the master. All right. Yeah. I, I just, just I, <laughs> different strokes for different folks. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we all have, you know, like I can't get into inherent vice and I know that you love it. Tierney. <gasps> oh, every time you say it, it's a shock to the system. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you just dropped that on the master and Matt was just like, all right, I guess. Because it's a depressing fucking movie. The same thing watch? about your movie, and you were just like, "How dare you attack me like this? What have I done? <laughs> do you think you what are? have I done to deserve this level of disrespect from you?" <laughs> I forget every over a time. movie that over a movie that is probably the lowest rated of any PTA movies. Honestly, <laughs> so rude. <laughs> I was talking to my friend Phil this weekend, who may at some point be a guest on this podcast and he was gushing about inherent vice loves oh, inherent vice a new friend maybe we'll watch an ally say maybe for this oh my god in this Incredible. in this cold cold war uh, what character would you guys play on this movie? The pile. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's either pile or I'm just not doing it. <laughs> like I just yeah, because like everything every every since we introduced that category, I feel like I've had at least one person that I was like, yeah, that seems like it would be kind of fun. Not a single character in this movie seems like it would be fun to play. Like, no, I can't think of one. Ugh. I was gonna say I want to play the soap in the in the bed sheet, but that's not that funny. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, that was a terrifying scene of everyone just beating him with yeah. soap bars. Maybe that's why I was like, war is basically prison. 
Because yeah. people get beaten with soap I think you just don't have enough siblings. I think I just don't have the stomach for <laughs> situations that aren't nice. So well, it's I definitely was... not nice, but, like, have, you've never had, like, three people kind of gang up on you for no reason? Not with pillow soap. No, I've but... I've never been beaten by anyone. So, can I just... I'm undefeated. Quickly interject. <laughs> I was... I... <laughs> I reread the or uh, I read the Wikipedia synopsis right before we started recording, uh, and apparently there's like a term for that uh, scene that you're describing, Matt, and it's called a blanket party, which sounds fun, oh my God, but it's very not fun. Yeah, no. Yeah, it sounds like pillow pants. <laughs> it's from Clerks too. <laughs> Colin died. I got Colin at least. <laughs> to give you some context, Dooney, in the movie Clicks 2, a very sheltered boy is dating a girl and he says that they can't have sex because of pillow pants. And they're like, what is pillow pants? And he's like, pillow pants is a pussy troll. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, pillow pants is a tiny troll that lives inside of a pussy and if I try to have sex, he'll cut my dick off. <laughs> And they're like, okay. <laughs> and they just, like, let him believe that. But... Were you in the class when Edmund told oh us about God. Uh, when he went to jury duty and Kevin Smith was there? No, I don't think so. Maybe I'll tell it off the fob. Oh. Oh, I remember. Oh. And he had the, yeah. And he was like, I really can't be here. And, and then like, they made him do it anyway. Oh! <gasps> yeah, they thought he was lying, and he was like, but guys, I'm not lying. <laughs> Poor guy. I know. I yeah. Anyway. Thank you, um, Matt. That was, was really special for me, personally. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, <coughs> God. Uh, <laughs> what other categories? I think we covered all our number ones. What percentage of the movie do we think Stanley Kubrick is flipping off the audience here? Almost 100%. And to me, for this one, I, I was just going to say, pretty low for me. <laughs> but I think you're right. I do think this time, I think you're right. That at, at the time. This time? This time? Every other time fuck? you've been wrong. Stanley Kubrick is fucking with the audience every time. But this time, I will say, what you said about, I mean, literally by saying your brother rented Patton and this. Yeah. I think yeah. this movie was clearly not war movie that people expected it to be um, and I think that's a pretty big fuck you to the audience also who watches war movies men what is this movie yeah. doing making a commentary on toxic masculinity I mean you, you got me there you got it's, us there it's a bit of <laughs> okay, a fuck I you will, I will change I think personally it feels like <clears throat> nothing is that odd about this mm-hmm. so I feel like nothing is fucking the audience I mean Pyle but, shoots himself halfway through the movie yeah, but I but again, I actually did see that specifically coming. He was too soft from the He's beginning. He's too good. Like, Matt's too good. You're not going to make it out of here alive. And I was kind of like, <laughs> man, he's not going to let this drill instructor get away with this. If he's killing himself, he's taking the drill instructor without. So the fact that it did happen, I was like, oh shit, I didn't think it was going to I didn't think they were going to actually commit to this. But, yeah. They did. They did. So, I would say I'll, I'll change my answer because, you know, it's almost like a 360. 
I think it was 0% fucking with the audience, but I think it's because it was the first thing, or one of one of the early versions of a military movie really fucking with what the audience was expecting. And so, I'll say 100%. You, wait, you were saying zero before? I yeah. was going to say zero I seems low. Well, <laughs> I wasn't zero, but I was definitely on I the lower were... end. How are we inverted? This is a fun. (laughs) Friend of the pod, Jim, texted me offline the other day and was just laughing about the conversation we had about this particular category. (laughs) (laughs) And I think in the Eyes Wide Shut episode. (laughs) Or is it Clockwork Orange? Jim, if you're listening, shout out. I don't remember. It was one of Eyes Wide Shut. I have no clue what percentage he was fucking with the audience. Because I think maybe to him, he was like, isn't this a pretty straightforward story? And to everyone else, they're like, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> is this a dream or a nightmare? Or is this orgy really happening? Um, God, I already also, so much in that movie. That's the biggest fuck you in Eyes Wide Shut, is the fact that that orgy is pretty lame. Yeah, like, that, I've seen crazier stuff on HBO. Yeah. yeah we talked about this. It was like a not at all horny movie, and it should have been so much hornier. And I honestly am like, I'm sad that we decided to do that for our 69th episode. Nice. Oh, but it's so great that we did. I mean, it is good yeah. that we did, but I was like, damn it. We're luring people in just like that movie. <laughs> All right, last also, category. Oh, shocked. The shock there was no shower scene in this movie. There's always uh, a barrack shower scene. Maybe he was just fucking movie. with you, Matt. He was he fucking with you specifically. Thing. Yeah. I know. That's, that's what I think is also <laughs> So Matt has now said 110% of this was <laughs> really fucking It was like 100% to Tierney's argument but that extra 10% was because I really wanted to see some naked dudes in a shower. <laughs> no this movie is the least sexy movie I've ever seen. Uh this movie was nominated for one Academy Award. Wow. Any takers? Screenplay? Yeah. Adapted, Adapted screenplay. screenplay. Yeah. Even though the drill sergeant stuff was improvised, which is maybe the most memorable kind of dialogue from this movie that's lasted throughout the test of time. Except yeah. for the duality of man. It's supposed, it's supposed to represent the <laughs> duality to, of man. I think I, I, think I, was, I think I was aiming to say something about the duality of man. What? <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, there's the some of the... Um, Prostitute lines are used in like loads of songs. I know. Yeah. And I mean, Me So Horny the... is in the uh, Baby Got Back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of that stuff was very deeply uncomfortable to hear. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, no. This is where it started. Oh, God. Yeah. Which, yeah. To, say, to, to one degree, I will say, so, while the racial and, you know, other problematic language in this movie was certainly used for a very specific purpose and achieved that purpose in painting this very particular picture of, you know, people that were not welcoming or well-thinking. Yeah. Know, what is the what is the long-lasting implication of something like that becoming something that people then hurl back at the very people that it's talking Kind of in yeah. the same way that Clockwork mm-hmm. Orange, if you misread it, becomes a very different movie about glorifying extreme violence. Uh, in this same way, I think if you misread this movie, it also becomes a glorification of those kind of inhumane ways 
and both are treated, yeah. and then mm-hmm. they treat other people. <clears throat> Kubrick really walking a fine line. Fine line. Will be a fine line. So glad you took that. Bless, bless both Harry of you. Harry always and forever. <laughs> I woke my dog up with my C. Worth it. Uh... I don't necessarily feel terribly strongly about this movie should have been nominated for other things, but I do think Arlie Ermey was nominated for some awards, maybe the Golden Globes, but definitely some of, like, the, like, critic awards. Um, I thought, I mean, he is really good. Yeah. I don't necessarily feel strongly enough that I would, like, be upset that, like, you know, that he didn't get nominated. He's not, like, a good playing a good dude but he does it really well and yeah. an example of when the academy is awarded <coughs> stuff like that is didn't ray fines win in schindler's list mm-hmm. yeah mm. did he win pretty sure he did i don't know i really don't know those early 90s years of movies i just know ray fines oh he's real fine uh, <laughs> Before he played Voldemort, now I can't like unsee that. The boy who lived come Come to to die. die. But like, (laughs) (laughs) he was nominated for best supporting actor. He did not win for best supporting actor. He is such a fancy name. And it's just Ralph. No, it's Rafe Nathaniel Twizzleton Wickham Fines. Oh my god, are you fucking kidding me? There's no way that that's true. I, like, nope. It's literally on his Wikipedia page. I know, but I'm just saying, like, somebody... You said Wickham? Uh, His last name is three hyphenated. Twizzleton Wickham Fines. He's one of five or six kids, Somebody popped on to Wikipedia and is just, like, having a real fun time. Like, there is no fucking way. (laughs) Do you know he got arrested in Australia, and I think he was banned from Qantas Airlines because he had sex with stewardess in the bathroom? Fuck yes. Holy shit. Wow. This was, like, six years ago. Oh, my God. Six years? Let me see. When was it? Uh, That was, like, Skyfall. That was, like, 2007. Okay, so it was a little more than six years ago. That was, like, in Bruges then. Yeah. Yeah. God damn, Ray Fiennes. Good job. That's incredible. I'm so happy for him. Object. Hot damn. <laughs> also, it would be funny if he, like, arrived in Hollywood as a boy and was like, My name is Ralph Twick- Twizzleton Wickham. And they're like, We got to change that now. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> can, you ch- can you pronounce your first name any other way? Oh, I could say Rafe. Okay, great. And then cut every other last name. Fines is fine. <laughs> Oh, okay, he's actually never won an Academy Award. Well, because he's not that good. Oh, just kidding. I'm well, just you kidding. can fuck right off. <laughs> Whoa, I actually do love Ray Fiennes. You're I a fucking object. Had such a crush on him after seeing The English Patient. I was yeah, like, I had such a, yeah. oh my god, he's. I had such a crush on him after seeing Red Dragon. What? Is what? Because he's because he's like. Okay. So, what have you guys been up to lately? Uh, <laughs> I can go first. Um, yeah, go first. Because <clears throat> um, mine are probably going to be a lot of the same ones as Colin, so I'm going to budge him in line. Um, I've been watching <laughs> the rehearsal. Um, Hell yeah. 
really don't find it that awkward at all. I think Nathan I don't think it's that awkward anymore. Awkward. Like at this, like Even the first one. I thought the first one was pretty uncomfortable. I think most of oh, Nathan no. for you was more uncomfortable than this. Yeah, but I do think the yeah. first episode was pretty uncomfortable. But I think nah. the trajectory that the show has gone on since that first episode, I think we've left uncomfortable behind, and we're just in this like weird realm where I just like truly have no idea what the fuck is happening like in the best I possible agree. way it's mostly just the shock of how complicated any simple thing can become so yeah, yeah like spoilers if listener has not yet watched the fourth episode but I just watched it the other night and like the inception levels of like playing a person like that he was yeah. going to was just like when he so moves in sweet. with a fake set of roommates that don't exist, but are only a fake set of roommates for the person that he's pretending to be, who's pretending laughing. to be, it's like, what are we doing? What? How did we get here? What does this I, have to do with anything? I lost all of my shit when he moved in. Why are these cameras looking at me? What is this show about? I definitely want a little bit more uncomfortable, though. It's not... Me too. I want, like, even the first episode I thought didn't go as hard as it could have. Yeah. And by didn't go as hard, I mean barely registered for me. I (laughs) mostly just really love that he can somehow get massive corporations to give him an obscene amount of money to do these just truly insane things and it made me really happy in the fifth episode when he specifically called that out by saying that he's like yeah it's like i own my own bar that hbo paid for (laughs) 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 oh my god the most chef's kiss to you nathan fielder (laughs) and builds that hallway yeah that 86 foot hallway God bless. All right, sorry. What else have you been up to, Tierney? Um, I watched The Bear. So good. Um, mm. I thought it was pretty good, although they could have, you know, like, tried a little fucking harder to make them sound like they're actually from Chicago. Um, specifically, main dude guy from Shameless. Carmi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought his, his cousin did a really good job, though. Is he supposed to be from Chicago? Yeah. They all are, yeah. Not just, like, set in Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which that's the other thing is like a lot of Chicago's are trans Chicagoans are transplants. Like there's a lot of like homegrowns, but it's also like well, I, yeah, I mean the idea like, behind from his character is that he he's from left. there. Like he was from Chicago, but he left okay. and got like a classically trained as a chef, and like was in New York City working at like Michelin star restaurants in New York City, but then comes back to Chicago to work at this family restaurant in Chicago. I thought he, uh, his cousin had a really good uh, accent, and I thought the show did a really good job of ca- capturing the low-level hostility that's ever-present in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Just like people are about to go off at any moment. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I recently read an interview with uh, Io Devery, um, who plays Sydney, and she was saying... She was great. She's so good. Um, and like, yeah, I agree. The, uh, the interviewer... I don't know exactly how it came up, but, like, they were talking about, like, apparently there are people on the internet who are, like, shipping her and Carmi. And I was like, gross, no. It's 
Uh, it's her and Marcus for sure. Um, but yeah. then she said that her ship from that show is Marcus and the Donuts. <laughs> amazing and i was like hell yeah <laughs> um i watched uh never have i ever the new season that came out also yeah. great fantastic uh i read i've been watching um reservation dogs um mm. the first few episodes that have come out um i'm enjoying all of these things by the way uh i watched uh my first Predator movie ever. Yeah. I watched yeah. Prey. Fuck, fuck yes. <laughs> I didn't even just... know this was coming out until I saw on Twitter people were like, Amber Midthunder, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I remember her from those Legion days. And then I uh, immediately watched it and was like, this fucking rules. <laughs> it's so tight. <laughs> and I, I think it's movie... the best Predator movie. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know anything duh. about Predator. <laughs> And probably won't watch any of the other ones if I'm you know, honest. You know enough. Like, watching Prey, that's the Predator. Like, that's all well, of it. There's not much to get. No. It's just gadgets and spider face. I would recommend Alien vs. Predator. No, and I am not happen. saying that ironically. That movie, I will admit Why? that that movie is stupid, but it is real fun. Okay. If you watch it for the first time when you were, you know, 14 and then have, like, a weird nostalgia for it. Yeah, it's probably going to be a, a no for me, dog, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I really enjoyed Prey, and I want a movie, an action movie, that is Amber Mid-Thunder and Anna de Armas fucking kicking ass, and I will throw my money at it. Yeah. Um, Hollywood, make and, this happen. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and then uh, I did my annual reading of The Little Prince um, by Antoine something French, French, French. Um, and then I also stole from my mom's house. Um, I think I sent you guys an Instagram of this. The new National Geographic for oh, yeah. uh, July 2022. Uh, it's We Are Here and it's about uh, Native nations reclaiming their lands and ways of life. Uh, I'm halfway through the main article, and uh, it's pretty good. Would recommend. Lovely. That's it. And it's also like a good, I don't know, sometimes National Geographic has a problematic past, but they've been making a lot of good changes. Yeah, um, that's it. Which I am a fan of. <coughs> and with that, I'll pass. Which pass. is something they say in my- Al-Anon that they didn't depict accurately <laughs> in the bear. That was one of my favorite Like, Tierney was just texting me all of her criticisms of the bear, specifically all of her, like, Chicago-related criticisms of the bear. And then she started texting me about her al criticisms of the bear. It was, was very... like, the fuck kind of meeting is this? It was this very enjoyable commentary like. from Tierney. <laughs> it's like you didn't um, do one research. Didn't even a do single a single research. research. <laughs> Not even one. Uh, I'll go next because uh, I'm gonna leave the big one for uh, bless you, C. Darl. But uh, I've been watching that. Just kidding. Uh, I've been watching <laughs> the Sandman. Uh, I'm like, is that a so Metallica documentary? Hell yeah. yeah! It's actually like lit. I can't believe how much I love Metallica now. Is now Dane DeHaan in that Metallica one as well? Metallica is kind of great. I don't know why you're knocking it. 
we recently talked in our household uh, about a band from the suburbs of Chicago called Beatallica, which was a Beatles Metallica oh. cover band. <laughs> oh, so be fun. Afterwards, yeah, it sounds like right up T's alley. But uh, I haven't watched huh. Sandman. I think it's pretty good. I think it's like uh, exactly what I expected it to be. I feel like I have to get deeper in to get to some of like the cooler, deeper lore kind of stuff. But have you ever read the so far, so comics? Good. No, but my brother did, and uh, he's enjoying it. I think he read it fairly recently, and it's pretty accurate to the comics. Mm. Um, so I did that. I rewatched Blade Runner 2049, like I mentioned, and I'm just in awe of how much I love that movie, uh, top to bottom, corner to corner. Um, I Bottom top or top bottom? Top bottom, baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else have I been watching? God, have I, not I feel like I should. I mean, you, do we need to explain that joke to our listener? Why? Why? This is the dog top top bottom? Oh, oh man, we can't. Yeah, get it's that. it's too late at this point. We can we'll maybe just, circle back at some point. Like, we'll just you pose know the question. Yeah, yeah, we'll just okay. pose the question, and if anybody listens to this and has our phone numbers, you can text us your answer. And we also uh, have an email long... address that we plug sometimes. Yeah, Feel please, free to shoot yeah. us an email. Email, <laughs> email your responses. I email actually, your responses. We need to In do a days. larger sample size for our one listener. Uh, <laughs> the question, man, this question's so old, but the question was. Is, you it's, had still, to, it's still the question. It's still the question. We if have not definitively solved, the, solved this riddle, so it's still an active question. If you had to, meaning there's no option, <laughs> you have to. Would you have sex with a being that was half dog, half person, but your options are dog top, human bottom, or dog bottom, human top? Which dog being would you fuck? So basically, like, Dog top human bottom is like Anubis, and like human top dog bottom is like Sarah Jessica Parker's character from Mars Attacks. I thought you were gonna leave it at, at Sarah Jessica Parker. I was like, like oh, Jesus. <laughs> Just God, absolutely no so reason brutal. for her to catch strays from our podcast. Just that would be the meanest insult. Oh, man. Oh, anyway, God. What's our email address? Uh, I was going to mention it. Does anybody know it off the f- top of your head? Is it 1F Film Festival at Gmail? Yeah. We yeah. should probably get an alias that's actually a <laughs> podcast name. Since that's yeah. bigger than that film festival ever was. But, anyway. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've, I've watched anything else, really. No, um, you've been busy, I, and, and we'll get there. Uh-huh. And I've read a little bit more of Akira. The uh, Oh, wait. Oh, fuck. I have seen things. Um, I saw Nope, uh, and I thought Nope was awesome uh and i saw marcel the shell with shoes on and it was incredibly Just cute so delightful the most heartwarming so charming uh, give me all of it uh yeah those two things for sure i did watch and enjoy quite a bit and something else that comes <laughs> I'm going to, I'm just going to burn through. It's been a while since we've recorded. So I just want to burn through some stuff that I just want to highlight. Uh, burn baby burn. And then we'll spend the next hour talking about. What? The... <laughs> I 
It's fine. I'll solo pod for this. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I made a promise to a friend of the pod, Joel, that I would rewatch Master and Commander Far Side of the World because the internet has this fart weird love side. Of, the fart side of the world. Exactly. The internet has this weird love affair with that movie. And I'd seen it once so when it first weird. came out and I didn't get it. And I was like, I don't understand why everybody loves this movie. And then I watched it and I was like, holy fuck, this movie kicks ass. So, uh, sorry, internet, but you were right. Master and Commander rules. Uh, My friend Connor was supposed to be in it, but well, they cut all of the kid scenes. But sorry, every Connor. Day he woke up and he put mud underneath his fingers, and then he would play soccer with, with stagehands. That's it. Anyway, that's the um, They re-released E.T., in IMAX and I went and saw that at 10.30 a.m. on a Saturday alone and uh, just wept like a baby in the IMAX theater at 11 a.m. <laughs> so that was fun for me. Uh, I also watched Prey, which as we mentioned is yeah. fucking awesome. Uh, make That's more it. of them, like make make a hundred of them. I will watch every single one of them. Uh, Send the Predator to feudal Japan. Send the Predator to pirate time. No, you guys, the best part about that movie is not the Predator. Look, here's the thing. Okay, fine, but... She is awesome, but what I want in a Predator movie is a really gross fucking monster killing people. And, like, that doesn't necessarily need to stay in this one timeline. Like, the Predator can go to feudal Japan. That's okay. We yeah. can find some Japanese can... actress who will kick ass. And then we can yes. get the team up that we want with Ana de Armas and Amber Midthunder. Like, it's, let's, let's not gatekeep. Right? Like, I'm, just I... saying, I'm saying why we keep making Predator movies when we could make new action movies. Because well, yeah, we live I in the also... world of IP, and that's just how the world is going to be. So if we're going to keep getting IP movies, Fine. let's get dope ones like Prey. And also Fine. watching that net slowly tighten and squeeze out all the meat and wood into this, like, sluice was incredible. That's what I want in a Predator movie, is like, what the fuck? Ew. <laughs> awesome. He looked gross. <clears throat> she killed him. Oh, oops, spoiler to Prey. We'll, we'll edit that out. No, we're not. It's a fucking Predator movie. Everybody <laughs> knows what happens at the end. Come on. Uh, I rewatched Grease. Uh, because R.I.P. Olivia Newton-John. R.I.P. Olivia Newton-John. That movie is problematic for all of the reasons that everybody talks about how it's problematic, but I just, it's still, I just love it. I still love it. Biggest problem, the 38-year-olds were playing 16-year-olds. It's the (laughs) oldest people alive playing children. That's like never have I ever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and then the one movie I do want to just, like, spend a little bit of time shouting out specifically is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Um, bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I fucking I loved that movie. Uh, I think I maybe mentioned on the pod, or maybe it was just the three of us talking at some point recently, but I've been kind of disappointed by 2022 in movies. Like, there's been a lot of stuff that I thought was, like, pretty good, but I haven't really, like, loved much this year. But I really, really enjoyed Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, like, so fun. Um, like, not really a horror movie, but the horror elements worked really well for me. Um, Rachel Sennett is just fucking hysterical. Um, so funny. Every scene she's in, every line of dialogue she has is incredible. Um, I thought all the performances were really good. And, like, the twist slash reveal at the very end was just truly so perfect that I... 
I just left the theater cackling. So, uh, Bodies, 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 definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, listener, go check it out if you haven't. But we've now come to the time where I'm going to talk about how Better Call Saul had one of my favorite series finales of all time. I fucking just love it up, so much. This is going to be a two-hour episode already, <laughs> so let's just like maybe just keep in mind that. I'm not actually going to spend a ton of time talking about it's specifics two hours of Better Call Saul. Because we kept getting distracted, and by we, I mean me. Well, it's part, part and parcel. It's part and parcel with, with all of this. I don't mind. Anyway, yeah. I, like I said, I'm not going to spend a ton of specifics. This finale literally just aired the other night. Uh, so it will only be about a week or so old when this episode goes up. But I have loved that show basically since it started. I love how like extremely different from Breaking Bad it is. Um, and I love that it conti- like it just it stayed the show that it was in the finale, and I thought the finale was beautiful both visually and emotionally. I thought that um, where all the characters ended up felt very appropriate and right, and it, like everything about it just made me so happy. And I am so so glad that Matt, after two fucking years of yeah, me. Begging him to watch this fucking show, making a deal. That like you we literally made a up. deal that I was like, I will watch five TV shows that you've wanted me to watch if you watch this one. And we were trapped in our respective homes for a year, and that fucker did not follow through. Listen, could I have done better? Yes. Did I barely make it? Yes. <laughs> But was it worth the ride? Hell yes. And I think as much as it's different from Breaking Bad, it's still thematically and uh, visually a very similar show. Mm -hmm. Like, if you love Breaking Bad for all the things it did well, you will like or love Better Call Saul for those same reasons. And it's basically just a tilt in a different direction. So it's like, instead of science and crime... It's law and crime. It's like and The like, Wire. Kind of, yeah. yeah. That is actually very similar. Um, and that they are calling this like the ABQ crime universe of just like these characters. And so now it's like, who knows what we'll get next? Maybe they'll do a Los Poyos Hermanos <laughs> beginnings prequel. <laughs> or Jesse Pinkman as a baby. Who knows? But whatever they do, it'll be worth it. Because this... This show really was spectacularly smart and deft and uh, human. Deeply, deeply human in ways that you're like, oh, you really get what people are like. Mm -hmm. I think, Uh, so, I think that especially with the way that Better Call Saul ended, I don't necessarily think it's fair to try and make an argument one way or another about which of the two shows is better because I think they they like they are of a piece with one another like it's mm-hmm. between the two shows and the the El Camino movie that came out it's just it's one big thing um, so I don't necessarily think because at one point I, I was like okay I'm going to make the argument <clears throat> but I don't think that I'm there anymore but what I will say is that I personally prefer 
break, Better Call Saul to Breaking Bad because I think it's got a lot more of what I enjoy from a TV show. I think like the the character development, the emotional impact that I have from watching these people, um, the, the subtleties of this show, which is not to say that Better Call or Breaking Bad didn't have subtleties. It definitely did, but I think a lot more of Better or Breaking Bad was like very like plot heavy and very bombastic and very like bravura whereas i thought that most of better call saul was not that um and i think that the fact that this finale was so subdued when compared to the breaking bad finale which literally went out in a blaze of gunfire um the fact that this was just so much quieter and so much more reserved is like exactly what i want out of a series finale and i was just so deeply moved that this like truly was like one of the one of the better tv watching experiences i've had in a very long time and i I loved it so much and thank you matt for finally (laughs) joining me on this journey (laughs) i'll say the the one thing that i'll say that i think is like uh something that uh chris friend of the pod uh had said was like how focused on process both breaking bad and better call saul are Mm -hmm. i think better call saul even more so where sometimes you're just watching a process that you don't even know what it's for Mm -hmm. you don't know what the purpose is you don't really know who's doing it and it's still satisfying when you finally get to the point where you're like oh that's why they did it this way and breaking bad i think did that too a lot with like the meth cooking or the money laundering or whatever schemes they cooked up but it was ultimately about like the dynamics of the power structures that these characters found themselves in. Yeah, Breaking, like Better Call Saul is very much focused on like how the processes that all of these people are in and how they use it to their advantage, mm-hmm. which is what I think Breaking Bad also did best. It's like how is Gus Fring so good at this? How is Mike Trout so good at his job? How is Saul Goodman? this like scumbag lawyer but good at being a scumbag lawyer and like all those answers are given in a show that's like for the you have to be patient you kind of mm-hmm. have to take Sounds your time like with it and not for me there yeah there is a reason why i was not <clears throat> i was pushing very hard for matt to watch the show but i was not pushing that hard for you to watch the show because i do think that this there is, the is patience i think is what... <laughs> yeah because what I, I will say is, but Kim Wexler, Queen, is all time. Just if you want, if you want, she's a, like a new character created for Better Call Saul, and like, you know, strong female lead is a is a dumb term because it suggests that like, oh, that's that's what you get if you're a strong female lead, then you get something good, and the rest of the female parts are like not as good. So this isn't really that. It's she's a complex, layered, uh, intriguing, surprising, and unique, one of a kind character. Yeah. That you almost never get in television or movies. It's like the time that you get to spend with her, you really deeply understand her, and even when you're surprised also still understand why she's doing what she's doing and it's phenomenal she's maybe the highlight of the entire show 
may be the highlight of all of the Breaking Bad universe. Maybe it should be called Better Call Kim. I mean, that is, it's kind of the misdirect, is that you think it's going to be one thing, and then it's really... Well, yeah, I mean, I could literally talk about this for hours, and I'm not going to, but she was similar to Jesse in Breaking Bad. She was never supposed to be a major character. Yeah, I just saw that on her She was just, like, created as, like, they didn't, when they created the show, they didn't know what the show was. Like, cause there were, God, there was I a, hate that about American television. I'm sorry, but continue. Well, there was <laughs> like there was an iter- the fuck you're doing. There is an iteration of, I okay disagree, but there was an iteration of this show early on in development where it was just going to be a half hour comedy, um, hmm. because that was like the vibe that Saul Goodman brought to Breaking Bad, and so they were like, yeah, if a show about Saul Goodman is going to be a 30 minute comedy. But as they were developing it, they were like, no, this actually should be a drama and we should do the hour long. And then as they were working on it, they developed Kim. Like when they first came up with the idea of creating Kim, it was, she was just going to be like a minor character similar to Jesse. But then they realized that this character was somebody that they wanted to spend time with. And so Kim became, you know, one of, if not the most important character on the entire show. Um Kim Wexler's easily one of my all-time favorite TV creations. I love her so much. I want her to get a drink with Nora from The Leftovers. Oh, my God. The same way that Give I want... Give it to me right the, now. Yeah. I want them to be on a cruise together with the parents from Easy A. They're yes. all just on the same cruise. <laughs> mingling. No conflict. Just hanging out. Having a ball. In- inject it directly into my eyeballs. <laughs> like, I need this. I need this right now. <laughs> um, well, you know, what I said the other night as I watched the uh, final episode of Better Call Saul. Damn it, Matt. <laughs> brushed my hands off, stood up and said, I'm finished. I'm finished.